When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider Recruiting Extra Podcast. Pete Sampson joined by Tom Loy and Kevin Sinclair. It's been a while since we've done one of these. Notre Dame's recruiting board has changed a lot since then. Uh, they had a massive April and May in terms of picking up commitments as the spring evaluation period has continued on. And we're going to have a, a lot of question and answer in this podcast. That was sort of the, uh, the genesis for it. We had demand and a lot of questions that people wanted answered. So we'll get into all that. But before we do... Uh, I just want you guys to comment a little bit on how Notre Dame has done in the last four to six weeks, uh, the keys to that, what do you think the most intriguing or important development uh, during that time has been? Tom, I'll, I'll let you start sort of setting the table of like where Notre Dame recruiting is today. I mean, I love it, and it's hard not to. I mean, we're talking in top 10 class, they've they've filled some incredible spots along the offensive line and, and defensive line. And, you know, games are won in the trenches, as cliche as that sounds. Um, it, it really is a fact. When you look at teams like Alabama and you see what they do on offensive line and defensive line, it's like, okay, this game's pretty much over because as long as they're going to protect the quarterback, they're going to get to the quarterback. So along that line, I mean, I really love what they did in, in landing Nana Asafa Mensa recently. Um, you know, to go along with Jacob Lacey and Hunter Spears, Howard Cross. And then on the other side, I mean, you, you can't, it's, it's really, really impressive that even with the loss of Harry Heastan, that the Jeff Quinn was able to, along with obviously the help from Chip Long, Brian Poling and the rest of the staff to go in and get Quinn Carroll, um, John Olmstead, uh, Andrew Kristofik, who I need to make it uh, extremely clear. This is a guy that Notre Dame, does not look at as a three-star recruit, um, a top 500 overall prospect. They, they, along with many other coaching staff that I still have connections with, absolutely love this guy and believe he's got a chance to be a potential first-round pick at the next level. So you look at the whole class top to bottom, um, and when you throw in the guys that they're very much in play for at this point, um, man, it's, it's, you gotta be excited, um, to be a fighting Irish football fan right now. Yeah. Kevin, what's sort of your biggest takeaway over the last month? Um, you've gotten to know Quinn Carroll and his family pretty well. And I think the, the post he stand new Jeff Quinn, uh, recruiting dynamic was, was very interesting to follow there about how Quinn sort of Jeff Quinn, uh, got in with Quinn Carroll's family and, and made them feel pretty comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Well, with Quinn Carroll, um, interesting enough, when he stands, um, you know, the announcement came out that he was leaving. I got in touch with uh, Quinn and, and sources close to him and found out that they actually had met Jeff Quinn during their visit for the USC game and, and really liked him. And, you know, they didn't come out and say it, but I, I didn't uh, really take it from speaking with them that that was really a, a huge loss. They liked Jeff Quinn, you know, that much where it almost seemed like seamless to me. 
Um, but for in terms of uh, my takeaways, um, the first being uh, when I, you know, we went into this 2019 class, I looked at the very top two prospects in terms of, you know, guys they legitimately had a shot for uh, were Quinn Carroll and Nano Safo Menza. Those are the two. And they got, they, they've uh, secured commitments from them. And that is massive. And in my opinion, if Quinn Carroll isn't a five-star prospect, he's at least a top 50 prospect. Um, I know that um, there's a lack of filming of him in pass blocking, which sort of maybe hamper things for some, but uh, I think that is an elite offensive tackle. And Nano Safomenza, um, that's what a drop end looks like. A guy who played some outside linebacker can drop for them, long, freakish, uh, freakishly talented physical specimen. Um, and then sort of big, more bigger picture speaking, just this, the, the stacking of talent on the defensive side of the ball. You know, now they got... You know, Litchfield, Adjavon, and uh, Kyle Hamilton, who I think is, like, criminally underrated prospect, um, loading them up with, you know, you have two All-American safeties in Houston Griffith and Derek Allen from the previous class, stacking uh, a talented defensive tackle position, Hunter Spears and Jacob Lacey with Jason Adamalola and Jamie and Franklin in the 2017 class. Just that continuing to stack the talent on the defensive side of the ball. If you're a Notre Dame fan, I'm sure you've noticed it and, and you're certainly excited about it. Yeah, I think from a rankings perspective, it's interesting, uh, Tom, you mentioned Christofik. And I think if you had told me that he was actually where John Olmstead is, where he was, you know, I think, 160 in the 24-7 composite, I would, I would totally buy that until Nana Osafa-Mensa and Quinn Carroll committed I think the two guys in the class I like the most were the guys who were ranked at the bottom in Krostafik and Kyle Hamilton. So it's, I'd be curious to see how all this shakes out as more tape gets out on these guys and analysts sort of see more of them into their senior year, maybe uh, some camps over the summer. Uh, and then just from a rankings perspective on Nana Osafa Mensa, Notre Dame hasn't signed a defensive end ranked higher than him than the Stefan Tuitt, Aaron Lynch class back in 2011. So it has been, a long, long time since they, they've gone out and sort of landed their top guy. I mean, Robert Beal was way up there as well before he flipped to Georgia. But to land him and actually sign him, I think, will be um, – it's a, it's a big statement of intent about where Notre Dame defensive line recruiting can go. And I guess jumping into the Q&A here, um, you know, Kevin, I'll start with you. And this question is from the board, and it's a two-parter from a guy named Skunkle. And he wants to know, who do you expect to commit next? Uh, a question that we get all the time. And then what kind of impact do you see quarterback Drew Pine having on the 2020 recruiting class? Yeah, so, you know, the first part, who will commit next? I mean, it's really tricky. If I'm giving, like, one solid answer, I mean, maybe my best guess might be a Cedo Quanner. But I think uh, Notre Dame, you know, there's a bunch of, uh, you know, sort of, there's a big recruitment going on, sort of that it hasn't been really publicized heavily with Graham Mertz, and uh, that that could develop. There's, and there's also Zeke Coral, but I think that'll be more towards the end of June. I think Aceto Kwanu, I think right now Notre Dame's, uh, you know, from sources I've spoken with, I think Notre Dame's the clear leader, and, you know, I, I could see him popping a little earlier than, than we assume. So that'd be my best guess. With Drew Pine, um, in the last, like, two weeks, I've been really, maybe three weeks, two weeks, I've been really digging into the 2020 class, and I'll tell you, um, probably more of the top elite prospects than not have been telling me they've been hearing from Drew Pine and they know who Drew Pine is and they look at him like an elite quarterback. He's one of those nationally known prospects. Everyone's impressed with them. 
the big name guy, uh, for instance, G Scott, uh, wide receiver who reminds you a little bit of Michael Floyd from, uh, down near uh, Seattle, Sammamish. Um, you know, he, he knows Drew Pine has been speaking with him really excited about it. So, uh, that is going to be a huge piece for them on the recruiting scene. Uh, you know, kicking off your your class with an elite quarterback, and I do expect him to to definitely rise up in the rankings. Definitely in the top 100. Um, definitely a huge uh, piece for them in terms of recruiting and selling their 2020 class. Yeah, Tom, who's sort of your next commit as you sort of look at Notre Dame's board right now? <clears throat> I mean, obviously. I think at this point with, with Luke Deal announcing on Friday, my, and I wrote this yesterday at irishillustrated.com, that my gut says Auburn. Um, I know Chip Long is working extremely hard on that one. And, and everything Luke says points toward Notre Dame. But I think the one thing that Auburn has is the depth chart. It is, it is set up for two guys, um, both of those guys to compete, come in with him and Fromm coming in. If, the, if they, you know, if Auburn lands both those guys, the best one's going to play right away. So, and I think that's, I think that's Luke Deal. So I think that that's setting up for Auburn to be um, the landing spot just in terms of a depth chart perspective. So I, I, I would say him, but I, I'm, I'm over the last 48 hours, I'm starting to lean towards Auburn on that one. But for Notre Dame, I mean, I'm really, really looking at that second week in June when those guys come to town, Zeke Carell, DJ Turner, DeCosmo, those guys. But I think that the guy that ends up committing, and I'm, I know I'm going on a flyer on this one, is a guy that's not currently on our visitor list is in Graham Mertz. I think that he ends up, uh, my gut is that he ends up decommitting, opening things back up, considering multiple schools, visiting Notre Dame that weekend, and potentially flipping or committing um, during that trip. I think that Ohio State's also in play. Obviously, Wisconsin is as well, but um, I just, I mean, everybody I'm talked that I talked to really thinks Notre Dame has a great shot here. I know I've kept in dialogue with Graham, and just think there's more to this than than what meets the meets the eye. And and I think that if he visits that weekend, I think Graham Mertz is your your next commitment for Notre Dame. All right, next <clears throat> excuse me. Next question, Jerboski, another two parter. One, how are things with wide receiver AJ Henning after he recently got an Ohio State offer? Is Notre Dame still leading? And the other question is, one of the reasons Notre Dame, or we have one of the reasons we have been told Notre Dame did so well with defensive line this class is getting on them early when they were sophomores, basically. Is Notre Dame doing the same thing in the 2020 class with defensive linemen? If so, who are some of the early names that we need to know who are legitimate, realistic targets? I guess first, the AJ Henning part, Tom, why don't you address that first? Yeah, I, I, uh, I think Notre Dame's in great shape. I think that, and it's, if he doesn't go to Notre Dame, it's because the staff messed up. It's as simple as that. And I know they're not going to get out recruited for him. They absolutely love this kid. They offered early. They've been making him priority number one throughout the process. So again, I, I don't see Notre Dame getting beat on this one. He's got a ton of friends currently on the roster in South Bend ties to the school it was kind of a joke that every one of his 24 7 sports pictures was him in a notre dame hat for a while um he just really really likes notre dame yes ohio state um offered and they're going to be a big player as well i don't look at anybody else on his offer list other than maybe michigan and penn state also being players but i I truly think notre dame gets this done i think delvon alexander has done a really good job so far chip long as well 
Brian Polian and, and some others, just really making him priority number one, showing how important he is. Brian Kelly did a really good job when Henning was, uh, was last on campus um, back in April. So everybody's doing a really good job on that one. I think that he's getting closer to making a decision. And um, I, I'd honestly be surprised if, if Notre Dame got beat on this one. And how about the 2020 defensive line question for Tom? Do you, one, I guess, do you sort of agree with the premise that Notre Dame lands Jacob Lacey, Nano, Safamensa, et cetera, because they got on them early? Or do you think it's more maybe more of a fit issue where the board just was set up nicely for Notre Dame regardless? And then the 2020 defensive linemen that are sort of in that Osafa Mensa lacey group where maybe there's a connection to Notre Dame or maybe they're just a good fit for the school. Well, with the 2019 class, there's definitely a fit because they, you know, Notre Dame was late to Howard Cross, but this was a dream offer. This is the one he wanted. Um, I know as soon as um, he was offered, you know, his mother was completely on board. It was done. She was already telling schools that, um, that's where she wanted her son to go. So, um, they did a really good job there. And that was a dream offer situation with Nana. Um, I have a feeling he liked Notre Dame way more than he ever expected to. Um, and he had the local offers. Uh, I think it would have been a little more interesting if Texas A&M was truly pushing. Um, but with, with Texas involved, I, I think that he definitely liked that first January visit more than he expected. And at that point, Notre Dame was going to be tough to beat, and they did a really good job. I mean, kudos to Mike Elston. He, the way he handled that recruitment, the way he did things with Jacob Lacey and Hunter Spears. I mean, this dude, he's clicking on all cylinders right now. And and, and I'm I'm not really, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I don't think there's a uh, there's really too many more impressive recruiters across the country right now um, than Mike Elston because he just really he tells it like it is. He's very upfront. Um, there's no BS going on there and he pushes guys. He makes guys, if you want to go, go to Notre Dame, um, he's going to make it very clear that it's not going to be hard I and mean, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be a ton of challenges athletically and academically. He doesn't want guys that are going to come in and be soft. So that really resonates with a lot of guys. It, it really did with Nana and Jacob for sure. So, um, they've done a really good job getting in on the 2020 guys too. I mean, he, he's not going to change his style. If you want to look at Notre Dame, then then you better be rough. You better be um, ready for a tough Mike Elston because he doesn't want guys that are, um, you know, he's not gonna, you know, to be quite blunt, he's not gonna kiss their ass now and then be, you know, be tough on them when they get on campus. So keep an eye on on the number one player in the country, Brian Breesy. I mean, he's he's an elite prospect. I think Ohio State leads right now, but Notre Dame's in there. Um, but then you could just really run down the list. Darion Henry, they've done a really good job there. I think Notre Dame is the favorite for Riley Mills and Braden McGregor. Um, definitely in play for Cole Brevard. So, I mean, you just look top to bottom, and they're offering a ton of guys, developing relationships. And um, at this point, it's, it's almost like whoever, whoever Elston wants, Elston gets. So it's been pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I have to give Mike a lot of credit because on signing day when Tom, you and I talked to him uh, in the Goog, he stuck his neck out and said, you know, this is as good a board as we've had in a while looking at the 2019 class. And usually when you stick your neck out, it gets chopped off when you're uh, talking about defensive end and defensive tackles. But he's he's absolutely delivered at a time when Notre Dame couldn't afford anything less. I mean, uh, to not get Nana Safa Mensa in this class, considering what's happened the last two cycles, would have been um, 
very difficult for Notre Dame stomach. So I give I give Elson a ton of, ton of credit on that. Kevin, let's go to you from uh, Wreckers 33 Hot, and this is sort of big picture type stuff. He wants to know from a macro level, how would you evaluate Notre Dame and how they're doing improving on previously identified recruiting weaknesses, and how can it continue to improve to get more of a playoff caliber roster? And he he cites three things: focus on better fits, i.e., more Matthias Farley types. Two, don't waste time on recruiting or signing kids that aren't off profile. Early departures, Devontae Neal, T. Shepard, what's happening in Florida over the last few cycles. And then the big one, number three, five stars. And he just sort of says at the end of the day, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, they, they're getting multiple uh, Quinn Carroll, Nana Osafa, Mensa types every year. Um, how, would you, how do you sort of see that, Kevin, from a fit, positive and negative, but also Notre Dame's ability to, to chase down the, the best of the best? Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind uh, with this whole questioning here is something I think you and Pete, uh, sorry, Pete, you and I speak about fairly often is demographics. And, you know, we've seen Notre Dame sort of spend a lot less time in Florida and putting a lot of effort into Georgia, particularly the Catholic prep school pool around the Atlanta area. And we've seen uh, how that's paid off in Derek Allen, K.J. Wallace. Uh, Kyle Hamilton. I mean, I expect those three defensive backs to be productive at Notre Dame. I really do. I think KJ Wallace is, a, I think people are going to be really surprised to see how well he plays uh, this senior year. I've seen some recent film of him, but uh, back to the point, um, New Jersey hitting the prep, the Catholic prep schools in New Jersey um, is doing, Notre Dame's doing really well. St. Peter's prep now in the 2019 class, Howard Cross and John Olmstead and um, just continuing that, finding those demographic regions and, and really building the connections there. When I've been speaking with the coaching staffs down uh, in Georgia and speaking with the Marist and Blessed Trinity and Lovett School, uh, those coaches know Mike Elston and they know they know Terry Joseph. They know them and they they understand that they're coming now and they plan it to continue coming. And uh, in Texas, I mean, they just picked up Nano Safo Menza. Uh, I, I like what I'm hearing from, uh, of course, Hunter Spears as well. I like what they're doing in those areas. Um, and it, it, there's there's no denying it. If you look at the prospects who've gotten in, gotten in trouble at Notre Dame, uh, I've transferred, you know, the red flag type guys, there's been a lot of them have come from Florida public schools. That's, that's a fact. And taking those resources from those problem areas, putting them into Georgia, New Jersey, Texas, spending your time there, sort of like what Tom was talking about, not wasting your time, uh, with prospects who are, are going to really you know mess around and be really tough to recruit, make signals, flip, all of those types of things. Um, I think Notre Dame's getting that. And I think that their 10 commitments they have right now reflect that. Um, as far as the whole five-star thing, I mean, uh, Pete, you did a great article on that. Um, and it sort of correlated with what I wrote recently about Nano Safo Mensa's commitment and the difficulty they've had recruiting weak side defensive ends. And I had a look at the last couple of years, which have been tough years for defensive end recruiting and looking at the top priority DNs that they really went after hard, uh, somewhere around 80 to 90% of them stuck in state. And that's why it was so big when Nano Safo committed over Texas, because that's been a big difficulty uh, for Notre Dame. And Pete, you saw that same sort of thing with the five-star uh, prospects, a big, a big amount of those and vast majority of them, from what I remember, stuck in state. So uh, 
that's not just a Notre Dame problem. That's just a national problem. And, um, you know, the majority of those five-star prospects are going to go to the big in-state programs. So you can say the same about the majority of the, the big-time pass rushers. Um, and that's just sort of how that's going to be. They will still, can still recruit them. Um, but, you know, they're landing guys like Derek Allen and Shane Simon and Jason Ademolola. And uh, I think Notre Dame's doing really well if you look at the, the sort of top echelon in these last two classes. Yeah, geography certainly has been a real issue for Notre Dame with the five-star because the Jalen Smith types come along once every four or five years at best, whereas USC can sort of just walk out of their football facility and visit four or five five-stars within 90 minutes if traffic is good. So it's, I agree. It's like the bigger dynamics. I, I think they're getting better on fit, and the, the Georgia move is is significant. I think Notre Dame will We'll see benefits from that. Tom, I'm going to jump back to you. This question is from Kay Beasley, and he wants to know, can you give us a top five realistic running back and wide receiver master list? No. <laughs> um, these, these two positions are – I'm not sure I've ever been more uncertain of how a class will shake out at two positions than I have with Notre Dame and 2019 running back and wide receiver recruiting. They're in it for some guys that I really like. Will they eventually land them? I mean, that's where it gets a little dicey, and it's just so much more vague and hard to read than any other position this cycle. I mean, I literally just told you guys that I'm predicting the next commit to be a kid that's committed elsewhere that may or may not step on campus. I feel better about that than I do about any of these running backs or wide receivers, but um if, okay but let's let's look at running back if we're talking top five master list in terms of not just a dream but also realistic i mean austin jones is the number one guy on the board and he's a guy that fits at notre dame but they need to get him on campus they're working really hard and dialogue has been positive but again i think he stays out west at stanford but notre dame's um, at least should be able to get him on campus for an official visit if he doesn't shut it down early. Um, Zach Charbonnet is another one that I know Kevin really likes. He's a guy Notre Dame's high on out west, another California guy. Notre Dame expects him to visit on uh, this summer, so we can kind of pencil him as a visitor. Um, more realistic options, we're looking at Kyron Williams, um, an electric athlete that I like more than most. Um, Notre Dame likes him a great deal. Julius Davis, a uh, kid, kid that's committed to Wisconsin. Um, he's a guy Notre Dame likes a lot. And then King DeRue and from Texas that they recently offered. And Brandon, I'm still not even sure how to pronounce his last name, but I think it's Legendre, um, a kid from Louisiana they just offered that Notre Dame. I mean, Terry Joseph was on this guy a while back, and they've, they've definitely picked things up lately. That's another just explosive electric athlete with legit 4-4 speed. So – those are kind of the guys to watch. Um, my best guess at this point would be Kyron Williams and probably potentially flipping Julius Davis. Um, but it's, it's tough to read at the running back position. You know, it, if barring a letdown, they should be able to land Kyron. But Michigan is absolutely in play there as well. Um, and then wide receiver, I mean, it's a crapshoot. They are in it on a ton of guys that are big time players. And if Notre Dame can somehow land two of them, um, that's, that's a, that's a win for Dell Alexander. I know he's working extremely hard on a couple kids um, that are at the top of the board, including Joe Nada from California, Kyle Ford, 
from California, and John Mechie, um, who will play his last uh, senior season in, in New Jersey at the Petty School. So um, they recently offered Asa Turner from California. They love Kendall Abdur-Rahman um, and his just elite speed. Um, and then those other guys like Cornelius Johnson, TJ Sheffield, Jensen Hooper-Price, and Zion Puckett, who are all in play. They just offered Bryce Kurtz. I mean, I know that's a lot of names, but right now it's there's guys that are in play. Um, Notre Dame's in that top group for just about every single guy that I mentioned, but it's about taking things to another level. Um, in talking to certain guys off the record, even guys that are no longer in play for Notre Dame, I kind of asked, why not Notre Dame? What, what happened there? And a lot of guys have had struggles watching um, the performance of the quarterback play last year. They, 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 and, and some of this is negative recruiting that they say, look at what Brandon Wimbush did last year. Now, I think fast forward, that's not going to be an issue this year. I expect a much better season um, from Brandon. I think the passing game is going to be clicking. So I, I don't expect that to be an issue, especially early in the fall. If these guys give Notre Dame a shot to say, okay, here's how we've improved. I think a lot of these guys are going to, their eyes are going to be open to Notre Dame much more than they are right now. Um, so I think let's kind of table this for right now and see how they do against Michigan in the first couple games. And if they start lighting it up through the air and you just see um, that, you know what, Tom Reese is taking these, this quarterback to another level. The wide receivers are improving. Okay. These guys are, you know, are going to sit back and say, you know what, I'm taking a visit to Notre Dame because the passing game is back. Yeah, Tom, I would have get your take on this because I think you and I have sort of gotten similar information. Just like Notre Dame's not too concerned about their wide receiver board, even though it's completely undefined right now. Uh, and some of that probably has to do with what Tom's saying is they expect the passing game to be better. But I think some of that also has to do with what they signed last year, where they don't, this is not a must-have banner year at wide receiver and they can take some time to figure out who they actually want. 100%. 100%. Yeah. That is a that is completely spot on. I mean, obviously they're going to they've been on the road for the last couple of weeks and they're recruiting hard and they're evaluating new talent. They're seeing these guys, but they are not concerned in the slightest because of what they pulled in in 2018 when you're looking at, at Micah Jones and Kevin Austin, um Braden Lindsay, Lawrence Keyes. I mean, these are guys that they think can be difference makers at the next level. And they couldn't be more excited about um, Austin and and uh, Lindsey especially. I mean, these are guys that will play as, as freshmen. So they're not concerned. It's kind of like DB recruit. I know people are uh, – er, early on it was they're going to take two safeties, they're going to take two corners. Now I'm not sure they're going to take another corner. They feel good about landing K.J. Wallace and keeping him in the fold. So I'm not sure that they're, they're going to use that position and or use that spot and bring in another – a third linebacker. Uh, another defensive end. I don't think they're concerned because of what they did in 2018 at the position. So where they loaded up with all those guys. So um, again, with wide receiver recruiting, like you said, completely spot on. They're not concerned in the slightest. They know they're going to have a much better season between quarterbacks and wide receivers. So people just need to take a step back. Don't be too worried about it. Um, and, and put more of their attention into running back recruiting and watching what happens there. Yeah. And Kevin, like when you look at these two boards, running back and wide receiver, who are the guys that interest you most? I know that you have a, you have a pretty good opinion of, of Julius Davis. Uh, and I think some of the receivers you've talked to may, may have separated out, at least in your mind about like, Hey, this could guy could be a really good fit for Notre Dame. How do you 
how do you see those two positions shaping out as we head really into the summer months? Yeah, I think for the most part, I agree with uh, what Tom has said. I think um, with Julius Davis, I mean, um, that's a really talented running back there. And, and uh, I, I think I would, I would probably slot him more in the four-star category. And he's a guy who's, um, and I wrote a recent article uh, about him with an interview uh, with his head coach. It's a well-rounded running back who does those mature things that get you on the field early. And I'm talking about pass blocking and, uh, you know, having the ability to understand and react well to zone read schemes, um, catches the ball well out of the backfield. I saw some recent film there, of, uh, um, him catching some passes, some swings and things like that. It looks really good. Um, that's a, a quality running back. And, um, would that be, you know, would everyone be doing backflips if that was their feature back they picked up in the 2019 class? Maybe not, but I think that, uh, uh, you know, with Notre Dame's, offensive line typically being a quality one um i just envision him being a, a good back for notre dame simply put if they they picked him up kyron williams uh don't count him out as um you know i know he used to be a wide receiver there's some uh, a little bit of uncertainty in terms of is this guy a slot is he a running back um that's a solid running back and and uh, i think that those pair i, I mean i wouldn't I wouldn't put, uh, turn my nose up to that. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Wide receiver, um, kind of simply put, there was like a, a three that looked at like, you know, legitimate shots for ND. Cornelius Johnson, I think Stanford's going to be in play there, but that's a guy who I, I think Notre Dame is a really good shot for. And I featured him early for the, um, you know, a couple of months before he was offered um, and sort of a watch list guy. Um, I was actually really surprised. He ran, I believe, a 40 in the four fives, uh, like high four fives, I believe, at the uh, the opening regional. Um, TJ Sheffield's a guy I think that they could they could get. Uh, sort of a guy who's, you know, somewhat similar to uh, Lawrence Keyes uh, in some ways. Um, and then also John Mechie is a guy who I, I'm very, very high on John Mechie. I think that's a, you know, definitely a, Top, top 200 talent, but I'm starting to think that, uh, you know, Penn State or, or Bama uh, would or probably would be where he ends up. So, um, but Notre Dame will continue recruiting him heavily. I'm keeping an eye on Donovan Green uh, out of uh, North Carolina. I know they're recruiting him heavily and Elijah Bullock, who they just offered. Those are a couple of guys that watch their senior film. Uh, and Kyle Ford's a, a guy who they would love to get, have to get him to campus. And like Tom said, have to throw the ball well this year. That's uh, that's what it's going to take. Yeah, Tom, we'll kick it back to you. This is a, a question from N Jacobs three, and it's a basically a purely Indiana recruiting question. And they basically want to know George Karlaftis, David Bell, Bo Robbins, Cameron Williams, uh, and then Jack Kaiser and Bryce Kurtz. Basically, give people an update on how Notre Dame is recruiting in state this cycle because it seems like more names are popping up lately that the Irish might be interested in. So with George Karlaftis, I don't know if uh, you guys happen to see, but he is now the number 12 overall player in the entire country and number one strong set defensive end in the nation. Um, he got uh, an insane bump uh, recently following a, a couple camp performances. And I, I'm not saying he should be this high. I, I don't necessarily agree with that high of a ranking, but, when I saw this kid last April at the opening regional in Chicago, I saw five-star potential. There was a guy that struggled with the minor things, and when he got rolling, it was, it was pure dominance. I mean, he has great speed. He's extremely powerful. He was throwing dudes around, and it was, 
it was so fun to watch. I mean, this guy, I saw the five-star potential. Did I think he'd eventually be ranked one? No, I didn't. But let's fast forward to the Irish invasion, and he he performed horribly. Okay. It was, I'm glad it was, you're saying that because, like, I watched him there, and I was, I was sort of confused what the big deal was. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It was a bad performance. And it just it kind of caught people off guard. And and I think for George, it was a point where he lost some confidence. And he shortly after that, even though he had an offer from Notre Dame, when he paired himself up to the guys that were there, the Adam Alolas, um, just Jason Owe, when he compared himself to those guys, I don't think he thought he was on the level of what Notre Dame was recruiting. And he released the top three and Notre Dame was not in it. And that was really weird because he was extremely high on Notre Dame. I know at one point he even um, wanted to commit. So the whole dynamic of how things changed was very odd. Now let's move forward today. He's obviously committed to Purdue and he got this massive rankings bump. Um, Notre Dame's going to kick the tires on him. They've never not um, had interest in, they never said like, Oh, we're not going to take you. We have no interest. They're going to kick the tires on him, and we'll see what happens. Um, but that's kind of where things are at right now. It's very undetermined what it's like. But but his performance was bad, and I think he realized that. And it, it, and but, but, again, this is a guy that I absolutely love his upside. I mean, this is a difference maker at the next level. So it's kind of cool to see him come full circle and be ranked so highly. But if, if he continues getting confident and considering himself an elite talent and he – works with a defensive line coach that can truly get the most out of him, he's going to be an absolute stud at the next level. And I think if he kicks the tires on Notre Dame, they will reciprocate it. So it's definitely not somebody I've written off for Notre Dame yet. Um, you mentioned David Bell. He continues to mention, I'm going to visit Notre Dame. I'm going to get up there at some point, but he never does. I don't like Notre Dame's chances at this point. If he does visit, obviously that'll change, but it just seems like he's going to end up elsewhere. Um, with Bo Robbins, I believe was mentioned. Um, that was just never a guy that, I mean, he visited Notre Dame, but it was never a guy that, that Elston offered or, or truly pursued that strongly. So um, until anything changes, like, like we already said, they're recruiting at such a high level. It's just really not a time where um, Bo Robbins is a guy you offer. I like the kid, but not in terms of what Notre Dame's going after. And they need speed right now. And they're looking for next level speed off the edge to round out this 2019 class. Um, Cameron Williams, you mentioned, I know some people like Notre Dame's chances early, and I think the expectation was that they were going to offer him. But when you're looking at, um, I know Kevin mentioned OC and he loves Notre Dame. And I, I'm told by one source that it's, it's already a done deal, but not necessarily committed to Notre Dame, but his mind is made up behind the scenes. So Aquanu, I expect to end up at Notre Dame. You got Nick Henrich, um, Jack Kaiser, who I like more than Williams in terms of just explosiveness and speed and just athleticism. So I don't see Cameron Williams being a guy Notre Dame needs to go on. Um, so, and then in terms of just the other guys in Indiana, um, I'm not sure why they ever offered Sam, Sam, Samson James. I didn't see him as a fit or a guy that Notre Dame um, was going to land. Um, and he obviously eventually committed to Ohio State. And then the other guy they just offered is, is uh, Bryce Kurtz, who I think Duke and Northwestern are both in better spots right now. Duke just lost a wide receiver commit, so that could open the door up to, to Kurtz. Um, and then the only other guy I could see them offering would be Joe Tipman, but um, from Bishop Dwanger in Fort Wayne. But I, I don't know if they're going to need to 
to dive into that uh, based on their current offensive line recruiting. So they've offered, you know, a couple other tackles and they're still waiting for a commitment potentially in June from Zeke Carell um, if they beat out Stanford and, and Clemson, Ohio State. So um, there's a couple guys that are definitely um, that can play at Notre Dame in Indiana right now, but I don't know if they're going to dip into the uh, in, in kind of down the state a little bit more. Yeah, I, it's certainly something to monitor, probably more between early and late signing to see if there's uh, a need to, to go down the, the board a little bit. Um, Kevin, next question, we'll go over to you. And sort of a building on what we talked about earlier in the podcast, the five-star topic, and this is off Twitter from Greg Flaming, and he wants to know, how many of the five stars in the 2019 class are actually available to Notre Dame, meaning recruitable? And do you think that we should judge any class by the success you have in landing your number one target at the position opposed to the highest ranked prospect at that position? Um, well, with the, the five stars, I mean, I kind of think like as the five stars are ranked right now, uh, I think Kyle Ford would be like their best, you know, shot at landing a five-star prospect. Uh, do I think, uh, do I think Quinn Carroll or Nano Safo Menza could get bumped into five-star with their strong senior performances? Yes, I do. Definitely. Um, and that goes for others. There's other prospects out there who could end up in the five-star uh, <coughs> column that they could land as it stands now. Uh, just uh, Kyle Ford would be the, the one that I think they would, you know, have a shot at. And sorry, the second part of the question was? Oh, just in terms of, do you think when you're evaluating the class overall, if you're a fan of recruiting, should you spend more time looking at, did they get the highest ranked possible guy at the position or just the highest ranked po- guy on Notre Dame's board? Like, is get is signing your number one pick more important than signing the highest ranked player at that position? Of course, with Notre Dame, it's it's just always about fit. You have to find uh, Notre Dame staff looks at the best players in the country, which guys are the fits, and then and then work their way down. And I think that um, for their class, the commitments that they have right now, um, they got some of their top guys. Kyle Hamilton was their top three safety target, and they got him along with Litchfield Adjavon, who is their other top guy. Uh, you can say the same thing about Nano Safomenza and Quentin Carroll. I think right now, Notre Dame has uh, done a really good job of getting those top guys. Andrew Kristoffich, another uh, one of their top guys. So, of course, when we're talking about Notre Dame, uh, we're talking about an academically challenging uh, school, um, you know, and standards with the standards they hold. Of course, that just simply knocks out a good portion of those top, those five-star prospects. And um, they're out, they're looking for guys that are going to want to play four years of football and go to school for four years and um, with the way that recruiting is these days, the way that those uh, those five star prospects are, a lot of them are looking at the NFL uh, years before they even get into college. So, um, yeah. So I think I sort of stated my point there. Notre Dame's doing a good job getting the top guys that are available to them. Tom, I'll just kick it over to you. This is another Twitter question. It's sort of similar to the series that you put out the other week, uh, or staff roundtable about our opinions about the roster and the class. And it's from at bros tweeting bros. And he wants to know, does Notre Dame have a first round pick on the roster? If so, who is it? Man, getting the tough ones today. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look at the roster, I think obviously for Notre Dame, you're, you're quickly looking at the offensive line. So I think that there's off there's first round caliber <laughs> players depending on, um, how they perform at the next level and, and, and just kind of more, it's going to be more about upside and, and potential over the next few years. But um, I mean, it's hard to not look at the group of 
Kramer, Bars, Eichenberg, and Lug and think that there's some first-round potential in that group. Um, they're advanced. They, there's, there's, there's guys that are going to kind of burst onto the scene this year. Guys in the program are very high on them. So we'll see from that group. Um, when you look past that, I think Jerry Tillery could play himself into the first round. Um, defensive linemen are always coveted at the next level. I think he's a guy that will have a very good season. Um, I think when you're looking at first round potential, obviously if Brandon Wimbush really turns things forward and, you know, quarterbacks are always taken higher than they, than they probably should. So there's a guy who I think by the time his career at Notre Dame, and I know that's, that may shock some people, but I expect a much improved Brandon Wimbush over the next two seasons. And I think that, I mean, arm talent, ability to run. I mean, he has all the traits you look for in a guy that could potentially play his way into the first round. I mean, there's guys who struggled and then ended up as first-round first picks, like Carson Palmer back in the day, um, that just the light comes on, everything slows down, and then, boom, they take the things to the next level. So I don't think he's a guy you can write off yet. Um, intriguing guys on the roster, you look at Troy Pride Jr. Um, he runs extremely well. Uh, very good size. Uh, I think that the coverage skills are there. I talked to a source the other day that thought he was probably the biggest riser on defense in terms of the light coming on, everything slowing down, and him just taking his game to another level. He's expected to be a breakout guy. Um, and then it's hard to, to not like the size and potential of Cole Komet, who's just has the chance to be a legit difference maker at the tight end position in the coming years for Notre Dame. Um, and then, you know, obviously guys that have already gotten a ton of love, Julian Love, Tavon Tony. So, yeah. yeah. Is there a first? Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. It's the, the odds of there being one are incredibly high just based on uh, the Brian Kelly era and the regularity of first round picks coming out. We actually, we addressed this on our other podcast with uh Priester and O'Malley and my guys were Komet and Tillery. And I threw Josh Lug in there just because I kind of look at first round picks as they have to have something measurable that's unique about them. All three of those guys have it. Um, you know, whereas I, I really like Tavon Coney and Julian Love. They just don't really do as much for me in terms of like jumping off the page athletically. I think they're just really, really good college football players, which is great for Notre Dame. Um, but first round picks just have something extra. Kevin, is there, is there anybody on this roster where you're like, maybe somebody we haven't mentioned, maybe even in the incoming class you look at and think, I see some some first round pick potential there over the long haul. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I mean you have to start at wide receiver there. I think Braden Lindsay is going to be a guy when you know if he stays healthy uh, at the end of his college career, he's going to be a guy who's running sub four four speed. Um, I mean, we could see a, a really big a really big career for him and Kevin Austin coming in at uh, around six three and a half one ninety eight. Um, that's a guy who just has that prototype, um, you know, what number one wide receiver, uh, sort of physique. And like you sort of said, Pete, the, that, you know, physical, uh, jumps off the page. Um, he really just has that, that body and that sort of, um, that build and that make. So those two wide receivers there would be the guys that come to mind quickly. And uh, sort of moving on here is our, our last question. I want both of you guys to take a stab at this one because it's, it's from at Irish Badger off Twitter. Thoughts on Autry Denson as a recruiter? You guys talk with the recruits and fans, and fans just see the results. 
feel like running back issues on the Notre Dame roster don't help the perception either. Just sort of what your takes on the running back recruiting dynamic in, in Autry Denson right now. I'll start with you, Kevin. Yeah, for me, I mean, you look at the product that he's selling. Uh, look at the offensive line that Notre Dame has. Uh, look at the 2019 offensive lineman commitments and Carol Kristoffich and Olmstead uh, and probably uh, Zeke Coral coming. Um, look at how Notre Dame lost Dion McIntosh and C.J. Holmes. Um, look at how Notre Dame signed to uh, two, one sort of mid-level three-star and one very low three-star running back in 2018. Um, you have to think that that's appealing um, for, for any 2019 running back of, say, a four-star uh, caliber. Um, and I think just um, really being aggressive about selling that, really, really getting after that. Um, I don't know if I've really gotten the sense that that's happening. I think uh, just a more hardcore getting after it approach. Um, I don't get that feel really quite yet. Um, some of these running backs I speak to, like Keenan Christian out West, um, I just don't know if I get the sense that he really has uh, an understanding of, of everything that I just laid out. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of where I'm at. Uh, that pitch there needs to be sold and needs to be sold hard. And Tom, what's sort of your feeling on, on that on this situation? So, with the question being thoughts on Autry Denson as a recruiter, um, I don't think he is doing the job that the other guys on the staff are doing in terms of selling the program and truly representing it um, a way that. Uh, really emphasizes what Notre Dame's all about. And, and I don't, it's not a negative. I, I don't think that um, maybe some of his targets, I think he may try to take the kid that um, maybe has the tougher road and he thinks that Notre Dame will do so much more for him that, um, you know, you should take the risk there and go for it rather than taking the safer bet. Now taking the safer bet sometimes will bite you. And, you know, you're taking a kid that's a slam dunk, but that's not necessarily what it's about. I think that there's, there's guys that, that like Audrey Denson is just one of the best. I mean, he's, he's an all-timer at Notre Dame, played at the next level. Um, it's very similar in terms of Todd Light and, and what, what he's, he's, he's done, gone through everything. And he's, you know, it's like when kids always say, Todd Light has been everything that I want. He's done everything that I want to do at the next level. And obviously he had more success in the NFL, but um Denson has that opportunity, you know, made a tough decision, went to Notre Dame and just balled out and got his degree and everything like that. So he can sell that, but I think he's taking guys or taking flyers on guys that he doesn't really need to. And I think that he can, he can just um, really get after it more, use more resources. Um, there's just certain guys that I watch Chip Long, Brian Polian, Mike Elston. These guys just absolutely get after it on the trail and their presence is felt. You know, you, you, you talk to these recruits, and they just rave about these guys. And I get that there's certain guys every year that just really appreciate what Denson's about, and they like him, but they don't – nobody's ever saying Autry Denson is just, man, he is all over me. He's relentless. He doesn't stop blowing up my phone. Um, you just don't hear that, and that's, that's kind of – um, I, I guess I see why Notre Dame fans are kind of disappointed with that because it's, it's much different than when Tony Alford was there. 
Um, that dude was getting after it at all time. No one was going to out-recruit him for a running back. He didn't get everybody, but nobody was going to out-recruit him for, for, for a guy. And that's why you don't see a lot of late scrambling at other positions like you have been at running back. I mean, taking um, Jameer Smith a little later than, than they necessarily planned to, but obviously they knew that Marquis Step was, was not going to end up at Notre Dame. But then having to go and try to find a Sebo Flemister at the last second, who I like and I think was a nice steal, but you don't see that from other positions like you do at running back. So uh, is he doing a good enough job? Sure. But I think he could be doing better, and I think he needs to use more resources and really just just get after it because I think his job is on the line. I mean, I, there's running back issues are a plenty right now with everything that's gone down with with C.J. Holmes and, and Deion McIntosh and things with Dexter Williams and the rumors there. So I think that everything needs to work out for him or or there could be, I mean, you could potentially see some movement at that position if things don't um, change over the next 12 months. Yeah, it's, it's just a weird dynamic because, I mean, you look at his first couple of years, getting C.J. ProSize up to speed to be a, a third-round pick after really just one full season of running back, how productive Josh Adams was all three years despite being hurt. Um, but after that, you're right, just like you look at the, the current state of the running back position, and there's just a lot of questions there for that uh, Autry Denson has a chance to get cleaned up this year. So it's um, he definitely needs to, to hit a big guy in recruiting too. There's no question. 100%. And, and we're talking about a guy that I think is a very good running backs coach. I think he absolutely knows the position. I think he gets guys to, to perform at a high level and guys are improving under him. No question. So if he can just start getting the, the better running back, if he could just take things up a notch in terms of recruiting, bring in the better player. I mean, I think that it's going to really pay off for Notre Dame and him. So it's just the recruiting that needs to step up a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And there's so much potential there for the things you guys have both talked about. Um, you know, he's he's a, he's a lot of Notre Dame fans' all-time favorite player from a certain era, or at least all-time favorite running back, just with everything he represents. So. That's going to do it for this edition of Irish Illustrated Insider Recruiting Extra. Thanks for listening. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by Kevin Sinclair and Tom Lloyd. We'll be back later this summer as Notre Dame's recruiting machine continues to roll on into the offseason.